Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Tuesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, and today we're going to be talking about evolution, but we're going to be looking at maybe a little bit different of a lens than you're used to, but before we get there, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to today's sponsor. At this point in time, I hope you guys know him, and I certainly hope you love him. It is the one and only uh, Mikel Thorpe from the Expat Money Show. Head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash expat. Why? Because you want to make sure that you can get your, your uh, well, number one, I'm going to scroll to the top here. You're, you're going to make sure you protect the money. There we go. You work so hard to earn from those ambulance chasing lawyers, nefarious creditors, and greedy, unjust governments. Why? Because because our good friend Mikhail Thorpe over at the Expat Money Show, he's bringing on hundreds of experts who are going through and helping you protect all that money that you've worked so hard to uh, to protect. And by the way, he helps people just like you who want to invest internationally. There we go. Secure second passports and residencies, eliminate the tax bill, and take advantage of offshore structures so you can travel the world freely and never have to worry about money again. And oh, by the way, the Expat Money Show is also hosting the Expat Money Summit taking place November 7th through November 11th, five days, 30 expert speakers, and just one of those keynote speakers happens to be the one and only Ron Paul. So head over to briannicholsshow.com forward slash expat and get your free, yes, I said it one more time, free virtual summit tickets today. All right, folks. So on to the episode today. Yes, we're going to be talking about evolution and helping me do that is Perry Marshall. Perry, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Sounds Absolutely. like a big show you got. Thank you for coming on the show. And I'm looking forward to this conversation because you just wrote a book, Evolution 2.0. We're digging into the topic of evolution now. Yes, we do have some folks here who we talked about beforehand. They're probably more in the uh, conservative Christian camp, and that that's okay. Everybody here, this is a great conversation. Everybody needs to uh, bring all, I think, voices and ideas to the table. Let's have that uh, you know great conversation. In this case, I would love to hear more about Evolution 2.0. But first, Perry, do us a favor. Introduce yourself to the audience and what brought you into this world, looking at the world of evolution. So I'm a business consultant and an entrepreneur, and I'm also an electrical engineer. And uh, I'm a pastor's kid, along with my brother. And I went into business, and he went into ministry. And he was a missionary in China 18 years ago. And I went to see him. And he says, you know, what, Perry, I don't believe any of this Christian stuff anymore. And I'm done. And I don't want to be a missionary anymore. And I'm going to go back to the United States in a month or two. And I'm like, what? And uh, we got into this argument. And I said, Brian, look at the hand at the end of your arm. This is a nice piece of engineering. And I should know because I'm an engineer. <laughs> you don't think this is an accumulation of random accidents, do you? He goes, hold on. And he just came right back with me, said, look, if you got a million Falcons, all you need is a DNA copying error. And once in a while, that's going to make their eyes see better and it's going to outhunt the other Falcons. You don't need any designer. You just need enough time and chance and it's going to happen. And I, I just kind of stopped and I thought, well, I've never actually studied this topic of evolution that we're just arguing about right now. And um, on, on one hand, 
I know that a whole bunch of biologists would agree with him and not me, and they're probably not stupid people. So I probably need to take that in, into consideration. On the other hand, I like I thought about everything that I knew about engineering, and I couldn't think of anything I knew from 20-plus years of engineering that made what he said make sense. Like, well, copying errors? You, you're saying <laughs> copying errors make better eyesight? Like, I just, I can't think of anything I've ever learned that would back that up. So I made a decision right there in the moment. Dude, stop arguing with your brother. You're not going to change his mind, not today anyway. And you're just making your little vacation to China miserable. So how about when you go back home, you you figure this out. Maybe the biologists know something you don't. Maybe you know something the biologists don't know. But I said, I'm going to find out. And I was really serious. And uh, I started buying books like you can see them all. They're all <laughs> up in my office here. Um, and man, did it was way, 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 way more fascinating than I had ever suspected. And it was way more interesting than the normal argument was even considering. And so that's how Evolution 2.0 got started. Wow, what a journey. Now, I, I too, by the way, I'm also a pastor's kid, fellow PK over here. Um, so yeah, I was, <laughs> we, my, my wife and I were driving through a rural Indiana and I saw signs for vacation Bible school and I said, ah, that brings back memories, <laughs> sweet, sweet memories of uh, Jonah and the whale. Yeah, good times. Also VeggieTales for anybody playing along in the home game, yes. but uh, good, good stuff there. Also, I played tuba and uh, back when I was in marching band, inevitably I'd get asked at least, you know, two or three times a parade, can you play the VeggieTales theme song? And I was like, of course I can. <laughs> So uh, that was always a good time. But uh, anyways, back to the conversation of uh, evolution. So yeah, this is a, a conversation that took place not only, I think, with every kid who's likely gone through vacation, Bible school, Sunday school, or has at least, you know, been aware of the, the you know, the evolutionary versus the creator story. And this has been a very sensitive topic, I think, when you look at the way that it's been approached, because it's almost been like it's, it's A or B, it's black or white, it's yes or no. There is no room for nuance. There is no room for digging into, well, maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe there's stuff that we can't explain, but we do see things happening in a very consistent manner. What were you uncovering, Perry, as you were walking through some things that maybe open your eyes? So it took me about two weeks to figure out that if all you're going to do is go to Borders or Barnes and Noble or some bookstore and take the books that are sitting there on the shelf that are about the creation, intelligent design, evolution debate, you are not going to get the whole story. Um, you're going to get polarized talking points where everybody's thing makes sense within their particular picture. But then if you step outside of this, that picture, there's a lot of stuff that they're not telling you. And so within a few weeks, I was going deep into science literature uh, and peer-reviewed papers and, and actual research rather than just taking the popular digested version of things. And it got more and more and more interesting because what I found was the popular positions were all butchering the conversation and they were leaving the most important stuff out. And I found that the truth was really somewhere in the middle. Um, and, and it wasn't, I wouldn't even call it a compromise between the two. I would say that it was actually much more interesting than either side 
was even talking about. So <laughs> for example, I found out that cells can rearrange and rewrite their own DNA in not just weeks or years, but literally hours. Uh, I found that every cell in existence, every cell in your body has the ability to modify its own genetics. And that when you put, it could be corn plants, it could be bacteria, it could be ba viruses, it could be human beings. When you put organisms in stressful situations, they adapt with an incredible capacity that's beyond anything humans have ever engineered. And so I was like, why isn't anybody talking about this? Like, wh why did it, it really took me a couple of years to get to the treasure trove where, oh, dude, like I can tell you where some serious bones are buried. And, and I just, I said, we have to have a whole new conversation about this topic. Yeah. Well, okay. We're going to save obviously a lot of the good, good stuff for folks to actually go purchase the book, which you can go ahead and purchase over on Amazon. We'll make sure we include that link by the way, folks in the show notes, we'll touch on that at the end, but let's talk about some of the areas that you were surprised in terms of where people have been maybe trying to keep the conversation from actually being a conversation and rather present only one narrative over the other. So one area that I thought was really interesting was the question, where did life come from in the first place? And so some people would say, well, God did it. It, you know, it has information, it has intelligence, only an intelligent being can do that. And then on the other side, you have people say, well, there was a warm pond and a lucky lightning strike and a, and a, in a lucky RNA strand, and it started replicating, and voila, you've got a cell. Now, when you dig down into the origin of life question, what you'll quickly find out, if you're reading anybody who's honest, is that nobody really has any idea. And, and what I wanted to do was, rather than just say, oh, therefore, we can't figure it out, God did it, I, I was never very fond of that approach because Okay, think about Isaac Newton sitting under the apple tree and the apple falls on his head. And, you know, we've all heard that story of like he he said, well, something must have pulled that down. And maybe it's the same thing that keeps the moon in orbit. And he was right. And he discovered gravity. And if he'd sat there and said, well, God did it, we wouldn't have Isaac Newton. We wouldn't have gravity. We wouldn't have calculus. We wouldn't have modern physics. Right. And like, so God did it is in science isn't really a very helpful answer. I started to see um, God's role in this as being almost like a North Star kind of thing. Like we live in a divinely ordered universe, but the rest is for us to discover. And so I put together the world's largest science research prize for fundamental science. It's called the Evolution 2.0 Prize. And it's a search for the answer to the question, where did the genetic code came from? Because the genetic code is information and information is a very different kind of thing than gravity or a steel ingot or a hunk of plastic. Um, information is immaterial. And so where, like, where did the instructions in the genetic code come from? You can't say, oh, well, evolution produced it because you have to have a genetic code for evolution to happen in the first place. So there's a, there's a chicken and egg problem. And so 
I put together a group of private investors who put up $10 million and we announced it three years ago at the Royal Society. And I have judges from Harvard, Oxford, and MIT. And every week I get emails from scientists who are seriously discussing this question with me about where did the genetic code come from? Where did life come from? And I, rather than picking a side, I said, let's insist on empirical facts. Mm. You don't just get to tell a story. You've got to come with data and information. So when you're having this conversation with the scientists, now this, this I'm sure opens up so many different conversations that you can go the rabbit hole of whether you can go the creationist route. Um, it could be any name, your religion, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism. I mean, there's always some creation story, creationist story. There's also, which has become much more uh, popular nowadays, like the ancient aliens uh, theory, where we are the descendants of this uh, greater being, which almost goes back to this this coding, right? Where did the coding come from? Um, mm -hmm. And then it, it, there's the evolutionary conversation, which now, to your point, there is that question, though, the, where does it come from? So now I have to ask, and I'm not sure if this is in the book, but I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but what's the conversations you've been getting? Where are scientists starting to lean more towards where the actual codes come from, or do we not have an answer yet? So, well, we, we don't have an answer yet, but a, a conversation that's really opened up especially in the last five years or so is a conversation that I will label cognition and co intelligence could be a synonym for cognition agency consciousness. Those could all be mm -hmm. synonym for cognition, but cognition is a, it's a very clean word. It's used very frequently in the scientific community. And uh, for, I, I would say a hundred years, it was kind of taboo or frowned upon to treat life itself as though it is intrinsically intelligent and intentional. Um, the story would always be more like, well, humans are intelligent and uh, chimpanzees are sort of intelligent and your dog is a little intelligent, but you know, we're not going to, we're not going to treat individual cells or plants or bacteria like they're intelligent, but there's a fabulous, fabulous Ted talk by Bonnie Bassler called how bacteria talk. Bacteria are intelligent. Bacteria have words like you and me and us and them, and they talk to each other. And like when you get like ever had one of those like autumn days when it's really cold outside and you go out and you come back in and you're like, Oh man, I don't know if I should have gone outside today. I, I'm coming down with something. Well, you didn't catch something when you went out. You didn't catch a cold or the flu when you went outside. It was in your system for weeks. And they were sitting there going, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And while you were outside and your immune system was distracted, they go, okay, now's the time. And they attack. And all of a sudden, like you get sick, like within an hour or two, that's called quorum sensing. And a conversation that is opening up in biology now that wasn't going on uh, a decade ago is that all cells and all living things have some level of cognition and they're intelligent. And personally, I think in order to solve the origin of life problem, we're actually going to have to solve 
the consciousness problem. Yep. And 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 the the issue with consciousness is honestly nobody really knows what it is. Like like I'm talking to you and I'm having an experience inside my head. And Brian, you're talking to me. <laughs> right. You're having an experience inside your head and 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 so are the people listening. And nobody knows how to quantify that, how to reproduce it. Nobody knows how to create sentient beings. Nobody knows where consciousness comes from. But I, I believe that consciousness is fractal and it goes down to the very lowest levels of life. And all of my uh, study and reason, and you know, I've been, I've been working on this 18 years, I think you have to solve the consciousness problem first to solve the coding and the life problem because I think life is actually consciousness first, chemicals and code second, not the other way around. And that's a complete reversal of the standard story. In fact, I published a paper a year ago in Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology. It's called Biology Transcends the Limits of Computation. And what that paper says is that biology has gotten cause and effect backwards for 100 years. So, <laughs> yeah, don't mean to offend anybody, but I think we've been barking up some wrong trees for a long time now. That opens so many questions, um, and I think you're you're spot on, Perry, because the the idea of consciousness of cognition it is so hard to define, and frankly, I don't think it is possible to define. I know there's been so many studies. I know I think there was one particular study where they actually measured the weight of somebody on their deathbed before and after they passed, and they noticed there was actually a a, a weight of them that that dissipated immediately after death. And there's the idea is that is that the weight of consciousness, right? And there's there's so much to what it, what is it? Is it energy? Is it the I mean, is, is it something that we haven't even discovered yet? I mean, I know we're we're talking right now about the James Webb uh, telescope that's out there, right? And all the new things it's going to be discovering. But like, is it possible that there is just something out there that is that makes consciousness and yet we just can't put it into words yet? It just, it hasn't, I don't want to say we haven't discovered it yet, but because we all know it's there. We just don't know how to verbalize what it is we're experiencing. Well, I think at the very, very least, there is something akin to completely undiscovered law of physics that makes such things possible. Um, I think there, there's kind of a war in science between people who insist that the current laws of physics, as we know today, are basically pretty close to the answer. And I think there's a whole bunch of other people who are saying, no, you are completely missing something very, very, very big. And, and that, con that conversation constantly revolves around information, consciousness, agency. And, and I'll, I'll add a comment. So if you sort of like put on your Jordan Peterson hat and, you know, he's been, people like him are always talking about, well, what is the symbolic meaning of a story or what's the archetypical significance of a story? All of that is about symbolism. And, it, and if, you, if you go to look at my prize and what it's all about, it's looking for where does the ability to, to assign meaning come from? Because a gen, like a letter in the genetic code, it's three codons together that mean an amino acid. And then you string some of those together and those mean the building of a protein. And it's all about meaning. And, you know, all religious views and like the, the whole kind of religious 
framework in general has always been concerned with meaning and symbols. And, and the, the truth is, is you can't understand any of this without assigning meaning. Uh, it's just, I think a lot of people, they assign meaning and make assumptions without even realize what they're doing. And I, I, what the religious view does is it gives you for the tools uh, for understanding what exactly that you're doing and realizing that you're doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, one thing I want to go back to really quick, and you mentioned this feud in science where there is those who seem to be eternally curious and those who are not. How, I mean, how huge is that right now in, in what we've seen over the past few years with the COVID conversation, with those who have been eternally curious in the conversation about the COVID pandemic and those who are like, nope, settled science, you know, you, anything else, you're, you're a heretic. To, to fast forward, I mean, Dr. Bajan, uh, when he was on the program, he was talking about how there's too many folks in academia who are afraid to, to utter the F word freedom. They're afraid, <laughs> right? Isn't that scary? Um, and, and he says, we need to have more of, of folks going around saying the F word because at, at, at the end of the day, if you're not comfortable in being able to, to talk about these sometimes controversial and sometimes very humbling ideas, because frankly, it makes us have to acknowledge that there's a lot of stuff we don't know. I think, and, and Perry, I, I know we have to wrap because I, I just looked at time already getting hard pressed here. But um, one of the things that it hits me when we see this in the political conversation is the arrogance of humans and that we think we can have the the answer for everything. And yet there is so, I mean, infinitely, there's infinite amounts of stuff that we, we do not know and we will never know. And yet we think we have the answers. It just... It does baffle my mind sometimes that we we can be so so you know with our hubris and go out there with our ideas and think how confident we are when there is so much we don't know. But I'll get off my soapbox now, Perry. Uh, what would you say are some final thoughts here that you want to leave with the audience, uh, particularly as it pertains to uh, evolution? There it is, two point uh, Brian, fairly early in my journey through evolution two point I came to a startling realization, which was fundamentalism is not a religion. It's a personality type. And you could be a fundamentalist atheist. You could be a fundamentalist evangelical Christian. You could be a fundamentalist Islam. You could be a fundamentalist anything. Okay. And what, what a fundamentalist personality, and I, I'm not using the word in a complimentary way. Okay. But at the root of it, is an addiction to certainty. Like, I want to know the exact answer, and I am only comfortable with exact answers. Well, if you go deep enough in science, you will figure out that if what you want is exact answers and certainty, science is not a very good profession to be in. Because every 50 years, in any branch of science, something gets violently turned upside down, right? Like it happened with physics with equals MC squared and relativity. And it, it didn't invalidate traditional physics, but it showed that it was very incomplete. And this always happens in science, okay? And I think there are a lot of sophomoric people in science who they try to present an appearance that we've got it all figured out, but you will always see the foundations crumbling beneath them. Uh, I'll introduce another word, mystic. And I don't mean mystic in a derogatory way. I mean mystic in the sense of a person 
who is comfortable with mystery and is able to embrace it and is actually in some ways more interested in questions than answers. And I think if you want to keep learning your whole entire life and you want to maintain your sense of wonder, you need to be a mystic. Oh, amen. And you know what is great? Because we talk about sales and marketing here on the show quite often. What do we talk about makes a great salesperson, folks? Eternal curiosity. You have to be eternally curious about your customers. And by the way, Perry, I do want to go back to one thing you did bring up there. You're talking about isms not being necessarily a good thing. That just struck a chord. There's a a very famous uh, scene here in a very great movie that I think that summarizes that quite well. Take a listen. Not that I condone fascism, or any ism for that matter. Isms, in my opinion, are not good. A person should not believe in an ism, he should believe in himself. I quote John Lennon, I don't believe in Beatles, I just believe in me. A good point there. After all, he was the walrus. I could be the walrus, I'd still have to bum riots off of people. All right. Isms are not a good thing. And as a matter of fact, yeah, you should believe in yourself. Perry Marshall, thank you for joining us. Where can folks go ahead and uh, find you if they want to continue the conversation, but also if they want to go ahead and check out Evolution 2.0, where can they go ahead and snag that? You can go to evo2.org, get sign up. You get three free chapters of the book. You get on our email list and our podcast list and the books at amazon.com. So go to evo2.org, E-V-O, number two.org. And you can sign up right there in the homepage and the adventure will begin. And I promise you the rabbit hole goes very deep. And in, in, in our world, we have very respectful conversations about the most important questions in the world. And they're fun, enjoyable, and they're for curious people. So really glad you had me on, man. Thank Absolutely. You. No, Perry, thank you for joining us. And folks, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please do me a favor. Well, number one, go ahead and give it a share because I think there's a lot of folks out there who want to hear this conversation. But number two, go ahead and reach out to Perry. Tell him that you heard him here on the Brian Nichols Show. I know all my guests love to hear from the audience, uh, and especially uh, when they're they're saying, you know, hey, I really enjoyed not only your appearance, but then they continue the conversation because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate, enlighten, and inform. That requires us to be, yes, eternally curious and go in and try to find some answers, even though we might not necessarily discover them. So with that being said folks if you enjoyed the episode as i said go ahead and give it a share and by the way i'll make it easy for you if you want to go ahead and learn more about today's episode click the artwork in your podcast catcher it'll bring you right over to briannicholshow.com where you can find today's episode the entirety of the transcript from today's episode and oh by the way we have the video version of the program as well folks so if you have not checked that out yet it's right there over at briannicholshow.com and when you head to youtube hit that subscribe button and little bell so you don't miss a single time we have an episode air yeah five days a week How about that, folks? All right, with that being said, thank you for joining us on today's episode. It's Brian Nichols signing off for Perry Marshall. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't 
don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today.